This is Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers by writers and readers. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers by writers and readers. I'm Madeleine Vaughan. And I'm Jules Ironside. This week, challenging expectations versus woke washing, blind casting, diversity USPs and nuance in speculative fiction. So, as people might have guessed, Jules has been on Twitter again. <laughs> Not just Twitter. <laughs> Not just Twitter. You've been on YouTube as well. Yeah, um, I have to say, this isn't me. I mean, I'm, okay, I'll hold my hand up here. I've been full of piss and vinegar this week because there's been a number of things that have happened that have really annoyed me. <laughs> but th- this isn't coming out of one of them. This is a genuine, I suppose, I'm coming forward with, I have questions. Um I'm not expecting other people to have the answers, but I think mentioning the questions is actually also valid. And I've noticed that other people also seem to have questions and contrary opinions, and I'm interested to sort of have a look at all of that. So that's where this is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we get going with this kind of this conversation and and sort of really getting into the meat of of what we want to look at today, um, we're just going to start with something that anyone who's listened to the show um, will already know very well. But so our starting perspective, both Jules and I support diverse stories with diverse actors and and own voices. We are really big advocates of that. Um, we both really want to see variation from the default narrative and in particular we want it to be done well. Um, So this is absolutely not a discussion about wanting to go back to the quote-unquote good old days. Um, Because frankly, um, just completely from a story perspective not even talking about you know a humanitarian perspective a story perspective um that would be incredibly boring yeah absolutely um uh and you know obviously madeline has said very much what i i feel there as well Mm. um but i think it's also fair to say that that both of us actually really do want to see these things done in a way that you know, with good characterization, with lots of thought and nuance, etc. Um, mm. So this this is kind of what we're we're going to be getting into. Yeah. Um, to start with, I've said this before. I'll say it again. In fact, say it with me. Story is king. Yes. <laughs> so whatever else you do or do not do, whatever you get wrong or right in books or TV or film, the story is the thing that essentially matters. Yeah. If you tell a good story, maybe it's not for everyone because no story is or can be, but you will get people on board. Your primary focus is on telling that story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think <laughs> this is the crux of the issue, which is why we're, <laughs> we're picking up on it. Um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you can have all of the right ingredients for something which should be amazing and tell a poor story and everything falls apart. You could have the best actors in the business, a great director, fantastic visuals, and the whole thing won't hold together if there isn't a good story. Um, and on the flip side of that, you can have some, 
you know, like you can have a terrible budget, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Some, you know, like be be an unknown, you know, have very little to it and still tell an incredible yeah. story. Film which, it in which, your backyard kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean the Blair Witch project, I've never seen it. I'm gonna admit right now, I've never seen it. Um but I from what I understand, the budget was not large. <laughs> it was uh, largely also them no. uh, okay. messing around. <laughs> but anyway. A, it did essentially what it was intended to do in terms of creep factor and the, the yeah. sheer horror of getting lost, lost in the woods. Yeah, it did that. I, yeah. I wasn't impressed and I, I saw it when it came out at the cinema. Okay. In the, in the old days. <laughs> in the old days. When I was at university. Um, so anyway, going on from the story is King so why is it so important well for one thing if you want anyone to pay ongoing attention to what you're trying to say you have to engage them with story mm. we we don't really learn very well when people just talk at us uh, yeah no one comes home from work takes off their bra kicks off their shoes grabs a tub of ice cream and thinks i'll just curl up in front of netflix and binge watch that series of increasingly rabid and illogical lectures you know it, yeah. it, it doesn't happen <laughs> <laughs> the people do listen to this show we don't lecture. Self burn. <laughs> we don't look. Le- we do not lecture. I have opinions. You have opinions. We talk. We laugh. We take the piss out of each other all the time. And we provide facts and things for people to go out. Anyway, I'm assuming the people yeah. who are listening come here because they enjoy our quality content. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you are absolutely right. Um, even if something is is meant to just be sort of like popcorn, you know, for the eyes, something that you're kind of meant to switch off, it needs to be engaging enough that people actually want to engage with it. I yeah. mean, the clues in the name. <laughs> yeah, the story. Yeah. Um, the the other reason is that starting a story first means that uh, starting with a story first perspective, sorry, story first perspective means that you have a greater chance of developing rich, nuanced characters and a believable world. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can think of an example where they did not do this and I will talk about it later because it really annoyed me. <laughs> Jules, Jules has got the weapons out. No, just my claws. Just my claws. Soon it will be too late. (laughs) In addition to this, story first perspective means that you will probably avoid tokenism, poor casting, and unintentional racism. Probably. Um, You do still need to have a proper think about it, though. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it sets you on the right foot. Yes. Put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Um, In my note... (laughs) This is where we start. This is going to get slightly contentious. And, you know, we've had the caveat at the beginning. I would like to say that Madeline and I are not putting forward definite opinions here. We are just positing questions with this next part. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's called acting, darling. <laughs> <laughs> darling. 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 I should, I should have one of those, like, cigarette holders and a glass or something. Yeah. Some bourbon yeah. or something in my hand. Yeah, bourbon, yes. That would be dreadful for me. But okay. Um, yeah. There, there is a school of thought. Um, held by you know civilians as well as actors um, and people of colour uh, as well as white people that the art of acting means that theoretically any actor with any with with the ability can play anyone um, and we have done an episode on what acting has in common with writing characters so we won't go into that but please check out that episode if you want to know what we're talking about yeah um, 
So if an actor could only play a person with their own narrow band of life experiences, it wouldn't be acting. Yeah. But this is where it gets sticky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there are going to be obvious exceptions. Um, a middle-aged male voice actor might be able to convincingly portray a 12-year-old girl, but the same actor is unlikely to play that part in a film because that requires just a little bit too much suspension of dis disbelief on the part of the audience. Yeah, there is of course a hypothetical story like Freaky Friday or 13 Going on 30 or Big yeah. where a child gets trapped in an adult body. Uh, it you know. has worked and it can be done, particularly with a sufficiently talented actor. <laughs> yeah, and then you get the sort of the gender swap thing, um, <laughs> the Jumanji reboot with Jack Black. Believe it or not, that was so effective. It was like, this was a teenage girl in a, a, a short, plump, middle-aged man's body. And he did it in a way that was not offensive and was, was actually believable. And it was very, very funny. But obviously it was played for laughs. It wasn't played in a way of, I'm really doing a deep dive into gender exploration. This is just kind of like, this has really given me a different perspective on life kind of thing. Yeah, Whilst absolutely. still being an entertaining film. And that yeah. was the important thing. It wasn't about the gender swap, the accidental gender swap. It was about the story that they were telling in that film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, it can be done. Uh, but it, it, you know... That those are the sort of the exceptions to the rule, as it were, yeah. because a very specific thing is kind of being um, is kind of being organised there. So um, the crux of this, on, on the other hand, are there parts which should be reserved only for people whose life experiences tally with those of the character? Um, and that is what we're here to discuss. Yeah. See this. As we said, this is where it gets sticky. Before we go mm. on to really getting into the weeds on this, I just want to mention cosplaying. Um, now, I follow a, a YouTuber called Michelle McDaniel. She is a personal trainer. <laughs> oh God, I'm about to do her entire intro. Personal trainer, proud mother of a pug, um, <laughs> fitness instructor. Um, but she's also a, oh God, I was going to say... <laughs> theatre nerd gone grown up cosplayer this, that's how she introduces herself and it's so stuck in my head that it's just all come out now but no she does amazing cosplay she is a black woman she is um, you know you know, she's short she's, she's incredibly fit she's very jacked for a woman and that's mm -hmm. not being, being you know I'm pretty jacked for a woman but she's very jacked for a woman and so she has dealt with all the sort of like oh you're, you look like a man you and, and being called yeah. uh, nasty names and things. But her perspective is, and she quite regularly cosplays white characters or mm. characters which don't have a, a human ethnicity attached to them, so aliens and things like that, um, mm -hmm. things from Guardians of the Galaxy, etc. Her cosplay is amazing. It's worth checking out her channel just to see her cosplay because you never know who's going to turn up, whether it's going to be Michelle herself or whether it's going to be... Gamora or somebody like that looking really really <laughs> looking really effective and she was answering a question on one of her videos where someone she was talking about a friend of hers who was white and had always felt a deep connection with princess with with Tiana from the princess and the frog mm -hmm. and was kind of like yeah but I can't I can't do that I can't play a a black Disney princess I, I can't do it 
and that's the one that I genuinely feel a connection with. And Michelle's like, well, why not? I cosplay as white princesses all the time. So, you know, what, what are we going to say? That if you're black or Asian, you've got a choice of, like, Mulan or, you know, Tiana, and that's it. Um, so, yeah. no, I, I play as what I want. That's what wigs are for. If you've got a real connection to Tiana, obviously don't maybe darken your skin because yeah, that, don't, that's don't black offensive. Face. Yeah. But yeah, you can absolutely wear the dress, you can do your hair and, and things like that. That you know, it's cos that, that's why it's called cosplay, because you're not playing yourself, you're playing someone in cosplay. Yeah. And I think this is an area where people with the best of intentions have perhaps gone too far into the policing and sensitivity side of things because this is someone showing genuine appreciation for a character of a race that is not their own this is not yeah. the same as trying to deliberately take something from someone else yeah absolutely um i think the the big thing about this is that very often the people who are policing this and the people who are kind of putting forward these ideas um are actually usually well-intentioned um, people who are not part of that minority. You can say white people if you want. I'm just going to say white people. It is, yeah, it's, we, white. it's just white people. It, <laughs> well-intentioned it, white people. Um, it, it's, a, it's a bunch of usually well-intentioned, sometimes not very well-intentioned, just troll-like, but they are almost uniformly white people who think that black people and Asian people cannot speak for themselves or have their own opinions. Or you yeah. know, they, I think some of them genuinely think they're helping, and they're misguided. But but either way, it's kind of coming out from uh, a lot of black and Asian people and various other people that you know, we don't really need you to speak for us. We have our own opinions and we don't necessarily agree at all. Yeah, I, th I think the the really big issue with this is that there is never going to be any one person, whether they're part of that community or not, who speaks for the entirety of the community. Absolutely not. So there is always going to be someone... I'm, well, I know that there are people who are part of minority communities who will say, no, you cannot dress up as Tiana. No, you cannot dress up as Mulan. Things like that. Um, and I fundamentally disagree with that. I think it's always tastefulness is is a big part of that respectfulness i think if you're dressing up as a character from a movie or things like that that's fine um because i do fundamentally believe that you should be able to express your love for that character in whatever way you see fit no matter what you look like so we absolutely can have a black hermione even if she's you know white in the films we can absolutely have um a, a white person playing Tiana, um, as long as you are not doing something offensive, such as, you know, blackfacing or things like that. It's it, it, it's just kind of a bit common sense, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it is... It, you think it's common sense, but there's an awful lot of common sense that's been removed from this sort of thing. I mean, the, the active word in cosplay is play. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, I realise that people get very, very serious about it as well, and that's fine because you should get serious about your hobbies. Yeah, absolutely. And I also do want to point out that there, this is a difference as well um, in that you... I think it's absolutely fine. It, this is a big difference between, you know, my culture is not a costume. Um, so this is not, well, I've just decided for Halloween I'm going to dress up as a, as, as a Mexican or I'm going to dress up as a, uh, you know, 
um, as a as a Chinese person or some or something like that. Um, it's very very different if you say right for this party uh, for, or for this cosplay, I'm going to dress up as Mulan. Um, it, it's it's a different thing. It's a very yeah. different thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I mean, and that's just talking with things with cosplay. Although you have to then look at the difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation mm. because cultural appropriation generally has the definition that you've taken something from a culture and claimed it as your own and yeah. then prevented that culture from accessing it yeah absolutely whereas cultural appreciation is just kind of like i find this really cool i feel very drawn to it even though i'm not from that culture Mm. Um, and I learned about it and I appreciate it and I love it and I'm just so I, I so identify with that particular mindset or that particular thing I really want to be part of it and Halloween is come as you aren't night so I think we've got to be a bit careful and you know when people start policing these things that what they're policing is what someone looks like which which is insane logic when you think about it and what they're saying is like your appearance shouldn't matter kind of thing yeah <laughs> if you follow I think... me yeah, I do. I absolutely follow you. Um, I, I still, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds about it. I think the big fundamental issue is that, um, as the same, you know, with the way that I feel about the whole acting thing, is that theoretically, theoretically, I want to say anyone can do anything. Theoretically, on on a sort of on a theoretical level that's the kind of world you want to live in yeah but, but we're not there yet but 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 we're not there yet yeah um, I've, i feel I the can... same way but i absolutely don't want to police somebody else who feels that they do live in that world yeah but at the same time i can also really really appreciate minorities getting frustrated and angry um with with white people i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go ahead and say white people black people getting upset with white people asian people getting upset upset with white people uh because you know white people particularly in in, in sort of media and characters things like that dominating that for so long repressing voices and things like that and then finally finally you get a you know a, a sort of a black a, a black character or an asian character and they're like finally this is something that is for us having because we've been policed you know that the, the, the white people have been policing what black people can do all the time um mm. and so so uh, no i think it has happened I, I i think it has happened in the past i i like to think it's not happening as much at the, at, you know now i think it has happened in the past um, so I can understand the frustration of saying, no, we finally had something which was for us. Um, and you're taking that as well. Now, I could, as I said, I don't agree with that because I guess there's, there's you know, the idealization within me, which is, okay, no, but you should be able to appreciate a character. But I can understand people's frustrations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first point I would add to that is that Kit Duvall wrote a very very good essay on this which explains why people feel so strongly about having bits and pieces of their culture taken away from them and i'd strongly recommend people check it out mm. my second point is that <laughs> inside me are two wolves there's the part of me that genuinely holds the belief that stories belong to everyone no matter where they come from because mm. that's what we are we belong to one race we belong to the human race we are all mm. together we are all the same ultimately 
even mm. if we have grown in different ways and come from different cultures, etc. And that is something I would genuinely like to push my own personal thoughts towards. And then the other wolf is the one that gets really fucked off when anyone takes anything from Irish mythology without understanding the language, the culture <laughs> and the actual mythology itself. Now, the thing is with the two wolves theory is that, you know, which wolf wins? Well, it's the wolf that you feed. So I'm really, really working hard to feed the first wolf and say, you know what, I'm going to share my culture. Mm. I'm going to share it because I want other people to appreciate it and love it and see the beauty in it as much as I do. I'm not yeah. saying everyone else has to adopt my perspective on this. And that 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 is a culture that is predominantly white. Yeah. Um, the other problem here is obviously what does white mean? Because, you know, until recently, fairly, I say recently, until us... Uh, until sort of the 1900s, the Irish weren't considered white. Until the 1950s, the Italians weren't. So, and it depends where you are in the world as well. So mm. we've, we've got to be careful not to just go, oh, well, it, it's people with this colour with having problems with people with that colour. When actually, if you really look, in fact, you don't have to really look. If you're willing to listen to perspectives from people you wouldn't necessarily normally listen to, you realise that actually there's a lot more to it than that. And the real problem probably is those who have who who have a lot who have a lot of money and mm. those who don't have very much at all and we're yeah. kind of being dangled a lot of the race thing in order to not notice that the people who are really at fault are the this one percent of people who've got a vested interest in keeping us all at each other's throats that's my yeah. theory anyway yeah i i tend to agree and i think again it's worth considering the the differences of how things work in different in different countries i mean in america it's very different from how things are in britain where there is a, there is a massive class system still yeah. in britain and that is definitely tied with racism and the racism that some of our you know our, our european um uh people face in in britain is still alive today the the racism that a lot of polish people for instance face um in britain um is is huge it's it's that's yeah. still something which exists to this day um, um it, it's actually okay and again that's still a bit it's still a bit more nuanced than that but i'm gonna mm. move away from this because we're supposed to be talking about acting and we've both gone off on yes, a real tangent we've both gone off on a tangent yeah. so our last thing was you know whether on the other hand there are parts which should be reserved only for people whose life experiences tally with those of the character so yeah. that brings us on to the parroting the parroting the parity of casting or the complete lack of it and once again this is not fixed ideas this is not fixed opinions this is just posing the questions yeah um so while not enough stories yet feature people of color gay trans even female protagonists are being written and made it is definitely important to keep visual reminders on screen that those life experiences and stories are out there so yeah i'm on board with that yes completely agree but on the other hand, if you're going to say that a white actor cannot play a character who is canonically black, and if you didn't just have a little knee-jerk reaction of horror, I won't believe you because we are very much conditioned to feel this way, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I just felt it myself. Um, then the parity is that a black actor ought not to play a canonically white character, which is something I don't agree with. But then if you look at that, that's actually a double standard. Yeah. It's it's one of those things again where, where, where I've got my two wolves uh, going through me. Um, I should also say that that two wolves thing, uh, Christian analogy, one hundred percent. 
Um, it's not from Native American culture. No. Uh, uh, but, yeah. It's still so quite a good analogy. It's, it's a great analogy, actually, still. <laughs> I can't deny that. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the idealist within me wants to say... It, it should just be who's right for the role. It yeah. should just be who's right for the role and for the story. I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, that that's what the, you know, that's what I want to say. But on the other side, I say, actually, there's a very practical reason for, for creating this double standard. Um, and that is that we have suppressed, you know, uh, and let's just use, let, let's use black. Um, black actors for the time being we've suppressed sort of black voices black actors and stuff like that black parts in the movie industry for an incredibly long period of time even now um, as we're kind of taking these steps forward the fact of the matter is is that tv is still predominantly white um, it, it's not proportionately reflective of the societies in which it, it's being made and particularly not in the areas that it's being made um, very often either. Um, so from a very practical standpoint, I say, yeah, okay, I do absolutely 100% agree with this double standard because frankly, white actors don't need that extra help up um, and, and white people don't need that white character. Now, at the same time, um, I actually watched a really, really interesting um, sort of uh, vlog post about um, she's a Chinese woman um, who kind of reviews films in 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 regards to racism stuff like that. You might have actually seen her. She she did the recent one about Mulan. Uh, the live oh, action that, of Mulan, the is breakdown. Is that Zian Jie Zhao? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's really yeah, good. Yeah, she is, she's very, very good. And she explains things in a really, really careful um, and well put way, which I really, really appreciate. Um, she made a really interesting point about the changeover of the characters in Shadow and Bone, where you have the main character, Alina, who went from being a white girl in in the book series. Yeah, with the case of Alina Starkov, who was a white girl in the books and is now um is now part Shu, um part Asian in the series. Um and we'll actually get to that in a little bit more detail later on. Um but it 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 kind of changed my perspective a lot and made me think, okay, but it's not as simple as, okay, well we'll just put a minority actor there in for this part I think the part actually has to suit and can be rewritten I'm fine with that the minority you know the minority that you're kind of trying to shoehorn in yeah absolutely um so yeah we'll we'll obviously get to that in more depth in a moment but yeah yeah um I kind of agree with you about the sort of giving more black actors a step up but I also think it's more complicated than that I think the problem is not enough parts are being mm. written for black actors, not enough black screenwriters are having yeah. their work promoted. Um, and I don't believe it's deliberate suppression, not anymore. I think the problem is people go where the money is. This is an entirely capitalist thing. This is this sells, so we'll be safe and we'll do that. And again, yeah. I'll get into that a little bit more later. Because yeah. I'm just going to say something even more contentious first. And I would like to point out this is not something I actually think, but it's kind of a thought experiment. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to be even more contentious, as a thought experiment, 
if a cisgendered actor should not play a trans character, then technically Elliot Page, who is fantastic, mm-hmm. should probably not be playing Vanya in the Umbrella Academy anymore. Discuss. <laughs> yeah. Because it's difficult, isn't it? What do you do? Do you say, okay, that's that's right in that perspective? Because we're not even looking at race anymore. We're looking specifically at, at terms of gender. Um, mm. Should he now not play a female character? Are they going to completely rewrite the role? In which case, it's not really acting so much anymore, is it? It's kind of a a representation of life, and it's a completely different thing. So if they rewrote the character of Vanya to actually go through the same sort of transition... Yeah. It, it's it's lots of awkward questions is is kind of what i'm i'm getting at. yeah i th- i think it's a again it's a very very interesting point and again it, this double standard um requires it's it's a more nuanced thing so from a very personal perspective i think the whole cis people not being able to play trans characters i don't actually have a problem with a cis person playing a trans character theoretically i don't have a problem with that the problem i have is that trans actors are turned away from roles all of the time yeah Um, and and the one time where actually you know their transness which is the excuse that that is often used when they are turned away um can't be used as as an excuse A a cis person still gets that role so I can just turn around and say, okay, well, that, that's, a, that's very frustrating. And also, I think the other part is that what, what happens is that you get cis people playing the role who then haven't done their due diligence, who haven't actually looked at it, it's not directed properly, and who don't portray being trans accurately um, or truthfully, or who kind of fetishize it in some ways, um, which causes massive disservice for the trans community. So I think it's it's a large issue at hand. I think with the case of Elliot Page, um, it's a different situation because Elliot was already playing Vanya. Um, this is an established actor who has been playing an established part for two seasons of the series. So then turning around and saying, well, you're you're in inverted commas, your gender has now changed, um, is, isn't, isn't a good enough excuse because Elliot has, was playing Vanya from the start. See, I agree with that. And then you think of things like Big Mouth, where the actress who was play, who, the, the, I think she was biracial. No, she was white. Sorry. The, the actress who is playing the biracial girl, little girl character, mm-hmm. um, lost or stepped aside from her job in order to allow a black actress to take the role um or you know there was pressure put on her to do so and the thing is if we're talking a biracial character for a voice acting thing then Mm -hmm. theoretically it could be played by pretty much anyone because it's voice acting um yes absolutely i can understand wanting to step aside and let somebody else have a go um if they're less likely to have, have benefited from from being more in the sphere of someone who would be cast but in in the same way there's no reason that that you're doing better by having a black actress rather than a white actress because the actual character is is half white half black so so are we saying that one side is better than the other and i think that's where it it can become a bit of a sticky wicket for uh, 
sorry to use terminal <laughs> to cricket terminology, <laughs> but it can be it, it is a big thing to look at why why are we teaching biracial people to only identify with one half of their heritage surely both parts are valid yeah though i think trevor noah um who is a who's binational um a bi biracial guy from uh, south africa um he 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 actually summed it up really well in one of his in one of his skits where he's talking about going to the bank and uh, they you know they give the form and it says you know where are you where what which race do you identify with most and the cashier's just still like y you can pick any of them you know it's completely fine um, you know, you can just like, is, is your background white? Is your background black Caribbean? Um, sort of uh, black African, etc. <laughs> and he circles white and talks about the pained look on her face. <laughs> yeah, and it is funny, but again, that's talking about South Africa. That's not talking about the US. No, but I think that was in the US. I think he was in the US at the time, setting up a, a, a bank account in the US. Yeah. Um, but I I think that the thing with that is that, and again, I can't remember the skit, so I might be wrong. But I think the thing with that is that, it, particularly in the US, but also, you know, in the UK, let's let's not lie, and in, and a lot of Europe, um, if you are biracial, and if you... Um, you know, are not, and I hate this term in inverted commas, passing, you know, if you have features which, um, you know, black features, um, you will end up having the quote-unquote black experience, um, which means that you will face this, you will face discrimination, um, not necessarily to the same, you know, to the same level it depends where you are it depends on your experience um i cannot speak for this um but you will end up facing that um simply f through merit of having kind of black features but then you also have people who are again i hate this term but the other people use the sort of passing um megan markle our the dutch i don't know what she is um she married the prince Duchess of Sussex. Um, that's it, Sussex. I should know that. I'm in Sussex. Um, <laughs> and I'm British, damn it. Uh, no, um, she, uh, you know, she is a biracial. Uh, well, no, she, is she biracial? I think she's she's black. Is she biracial? She's biracial. I, she is. She's biracial. Um, she, she has fairly sort of light skin. Um, she has not sort of she doesn't have very very kind of again this is going to sound wrong but in inverted commas obvious black features um and you know there have been conversations about you know the fact that people who are sort of passing or people who 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 are sort of biracial um are kind of seen as acceptable people of color um in in movies in particular for instance they're like well we won't necessarily cast a black person but we might cast a biracial person because they look just white enough for us so i think that is an issue as well it's it's a whole complicated thing and again i don't know enough about this because i am white <laughs> all of my background is is white or mediterranean so i yeah. cannot speak for this i'd be very interested to hear more so it, you know if you're listening to this and you think oh you haven't got that right let me know i'd love to hear from you yeah i mean again we're not positing the answers here it's just a case of 
there are questions that definitely need to be asked. I think mm. people need to be thinking about these things if they've got an interest in this area. Yeah. Um, because there is far too much of, of uh, let's just say, a small vocal contingent of people who are absolutely interested in policing what other people think if they've got left-leaning tendencies. And the, the, the problem with that is that these this small vocal contingent... Um, don't actually have the interest of the people they're purportedly defending at heart. They're not really bothered about them at all. They're seeing it as a useful political tool. And mm. that's where I get off the ride. That's where I've really got a problem, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree that biracial people have far more, um, or potentially can have far more... Um, it's a completely set, different set of issues, I think, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, it's not me saying that I think Elliot Page should step aside and, and let a cis woman take the role, because I genuinely don't think that. Um, but I do think that if you can do the mental gymnastics to say it should be one way, and it's not, in some ref in some respects, kind of um, exclusionary in the opposite direction, then eventually your house of cards is going to come down, because we're not very far off from things being generally quite equal across the board, you know, mm. and that too much pushing on, on certain things, went, which if you compare them to, say, someone who has escaped out of North Korea, for example, which is very 1984, um, might actually set us back. I think sometimes the rhetoric is more divisionary than inclusive. And the problem is there is this attitude of if you don't agree with me, then you are against me rather than both people going okay we disagree with each other but you know what more unites us than divides us which is generally the case i think that's where my frustration comes from yeah i agree and i i think a lot of it is fueled by anger um in in some respects a lot of or, or what happens is that sort of when the mob is kind of rallied up the mob is fueled by anger um from within minorities usually there's someone the person who's riling people up usually has an agenda um whereas the people who've kind of been caught up in the ride uh, are usually angry or, or or hurting because of of their own experiences with with you know prejudice and things along those lines um and that's the problem um is that you actually need to take a step back and look at the whole thing um and again, we're talking about ideals, and that's what we want. We want that ideal world, I think. Yeah. Um, but things have nuance, and people have different experiences, and I can really understand the pain and sympathise with a lot of the pain of the individual coming forward and saying, we feel robbed, we, we feel that you haven't heard us, and on the one chance that we had the, ch you know, we could have actually had a voice, um, it was taken away from us again. Um, so yeah, I can I can really really appreciate that. I can see that both sides. It's it's very difficult for me to say one way or the other, um, having also kind of been part of you know of, of sort of the queer minority and looking at it and saying yeah, don't take this, um, <laughs> and then looking at it from the other side. So it's it's complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so let's look at the pros and cons of blind casting. Um, up until recently, I fully admit that I thought blind casting was uniformly a great, a great thing. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I didn't really necessarily consider the nuance. And it's only fairly lately that I've been thinking, you know, there are definitely drawbacks to it as well. Mm. So um, blind casting is can be used as an easy get out clause to promote diverse actors and voices on screen. Now, in terms of let's get those people out there in view so people start, you know, it's the, the boiler frog, let's get people used to it thing. Honestly, yeah. we're probably past that stage. Star Trek had been doing it for decades and then other play other shows started doing it. So, you know, doing it for that reason alone is probably not good enough, I think. It's not to say that I don't want it done, but to say, yeah, we're doing this great thing without actually putting any work in, which is essentially what it is, Yeah, um, it is kind of a bit of an issue. Having said that, it can work really well. If you think of, I don't know if you ever watched the series Luther, which is about a London detective. Mm -hmm. It was written. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Id I mean, Idris Elba can play fucking anything, in my opinion. He can, he, he can do it. He's got it. He's, he has got the thing. Um, he's got the range. <laughs> he's got the range. Definitely. Um, but it wasn't written specifically for a black actor, it was written for someone who could play a, a, a Londoner. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's someone who could play this sort of slightly tired, slightly cynical, jaded cop who was very good at putting the pieces together. And they cast him because he was the best choice. And I cannot imagine anybody else in the role because he was fantastic. So essentially that was yeah. that was that was true blind casting. That was we're not writing anybody off. It's we're we're gonna literally have the best person for the role. The best person for the role yeah. happened to be a black actor. Um yeah. It happened in the Shawshank Redemption uh, years before yes. that because the character Red was supposed to be an Irishman and they cast Morgan Freeman. And even though I'm kind of like, well, you should have had an Irish actor. No, I'm actually not. I'm kind of like, yeah, Morgan Freeman. Why would you? What? Yeah, obviously. I bow down to your casting expertise kind of thing. Um, yeah. I kind of think it worked in The Witcher because they didn't make a big song and dance out of it. They just had diverse casting because it is fantasy mm. poland so why not why why yeah. wouldn't it why would it matter um and then the dark tower again idris elba the gunslinger is is writ is mentioned in the books as being white but it's idris elba so why the fuck wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think it's interesting in that you have <laughs> you can have these kind of fantasy settings where it's like actually it, it really doesn't matter because blind casting, I think, in, in particular, can work in, in these large fantasy settings, particularly stuff set in the future, where it's where it's like, well, we don't really have countries anymore, or we're all just part of this one, that our unifying thing, Luther, the, the unifying thing is that he's from London. Yeah. He's black, but the thing that really mattered is that he's, he's from London. He's a Londoner. Yeah. You know? So... Yeah, and that was part of the cultural identity. And I'm sure, you know, being black and a Londoner is, has its own very specific cultural identity. But yeah, that was what it was. And I'm sure his he then affected the role because he's a brilliant actor. He's a brilliant hands-on actor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, blind casting can also completely backfire or at least land a little flat. I'm talking about Bridgerton, which both Madeline and I enjoyed. But the problem with Bridgerton was instead of making it true blind casting where no one explained anything um, and they just had whichever actor was right for the role, they then had this weird little three minute skit sort of, I don't know, midway through the series, which explained how the slave trade was ended by love. 
and it's kind of that was incredibly uncomfortable because you're talking about this huge okay that that took us out of the this is a regency fantasy into this is kind of regency historical they're talking about something incredibly complicated and they're boiling it down to a three minute segment and now we have black aristocracy and it it, it's kind of an ick moment i don't know how you felt about that well, I think I think the thing is also that it, it kind of failed to recognise the fact that there had been black aristocracy already. Yeah. Um, that wasn't a thing which didn't exist. Like, it did exist. It absolutely did well, exist. Certainly black gentry, but yeah. Uh, yes, black gentry. Um, and obviously in other countries as well. And, and you know, there, there was the a point of contention, which was that the Queen is Queen Anne. Is it Queen Anne? Yes. Yeah, Queen Anne. Um, there, you know there is actually this historical precedence that she might have actually been biracial or mixed race or that she had um, from inherited through her ancestors typically black features um, because she definitely did would have had um, black ancestry um, in the in the more recent sense rather than that that we all have I mean she was also bisexual and they kind of didn't touch that so Uh, yeah (laughs) season two we'll see um (laughs) um so so yeah um i know it it didn't bother me too much but i i guess the whole kind of the thing that bothered me with it was just they're like and we ended the slave trade through love and i was a little bit like oh i feel like that's a disservice to the horrors the inherent horrors of the slave trade and and the sort of the the you know the the West Indie Company and stuff like that. It's just they're like, and love, and now is all this forgetting of a rural part of society. And I'm like, that felt a little bit not quite right I mean, for me. It was facile and trite in a romantic, essentially a romantic historical fantasy. And I think they should have just left it out and not explained and just said, we're going for the best actors for the roles. It's romance fantasy. Um, we can We can do what we like. And I think people would have swallowed that a lot better. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. The problem with blind casting is that if story is king and you blind cast it, then you often have to do one of the following. Uh, change the story. Most screenwriters will not do this for a good reason, because to do it properly, they'd have to change the overall infrastructure of the story. So to really do it properly, which is something mm-hmm. that kind of wasn't done in something we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, yeah, it, it's a major rewrite. And... I can kind of see that perspective because if you're telling one story um then and th- and then you have to weave in a, a character's race into it i mean it, it's not the most important thing about them i think that's the thing someone's gender sexuality um ability or or disability or and their and their race is not the most important thing about them who they are as an individual mm. is the important thing so to then say we're going to do this and we kind of want it to be a unique selling point is a bit of an issue really because that's that's lip service it's window dressing mm-hmm. um or you do the bridgerton thing which is the throwaway explanation which is not satisfying for audiences <laughs> yeah and can actually end up being a, a bit offensive, to be honest. Well, yeah, totally. I don't think you can boil down the straight slave trade to a three-minute conversation about how love ended everything. I just, I just, it's, it's sour. Okay, that's a sour taste. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, 
<laughs> it's just if you try if you do <laughs> if you try to do the have your cake and eat it too method in fantasy then you do end up having to import racism into a fictional world that was concentrating on something else as well um which is not necessarily diversity um at best it, it can just turn out to be virtue signaling as well yeah and i think um that's that's been a problem for me for things i mean you i you obviously i like to diversely cast characters in my books and then mm. their their life experiences hopefully and how they approach the world and things are slightly colored by who they have been growing up etc and and what have you but in a fantasy setting you can just as we've said have it like the witcher i mean lots of people complained about the casting in the witcher but ultimately it's as we've said it's fantasy potland so why not you didn't have to have a big explanation about how everything happened which is kind of why it was a problem in bridgerton because it was leaning so heavily on historical fact mm. um but but yeah the again this this is something we'll come on to in a second but the the sort of oh look well i've managed to make the main character black is when it was clearly canonically a white character that's kind of virtue signaling um if you're not careful if it's not like Luther, where it's kind of we're just going to go for the best actor for the role, it can just yeah. be we're going to do this because we're making something that's safe, that's going to make us money, and look, we are definitely being woke, quote unquote, and it it kind of doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- I think the the flip side of that is that whenever you have a fantasy setting. Um, something that people, you know, will will try and do, and I think this is one of the reasons that people kind of got frustrated, potentially with The Witcher and stuff like that, um, is also um, on the flip side of it, which is, <laughs> if you have, like, a black character or you have a fantasy setting, um, it doesn't... Their background, their culture, does not need to be reflective of this world's background and culture. No, Absolutely. We do not. There doesn't need to be a slave trade. There doesn't need to be all of these things. Um, for instance, uh, and I got called up on this, and it's something that I've really, really sort of thought about, and I, and I know why I did it. But I got caught up in this with the Hamartia cycle, in that you have the Bithynians, and the Bithynians, um, you have Luca, the the, the Hossignol family. Um, and the Bithynians have a kind of have a bit of a sort of a Celtic kind of thing going on there, but it's not only Celtic. I mean, the whole of Hamartia is 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 a Celtic thing because it's all based on Celtic myth, weirdly enough. And the Bithynians are, are made up of two main people, um, and part of them are dark skinned, um, and the other are very fair skinned with red hair. And historically, the the reason that that's explained is that. It was two two groups of two tribes of people who kind of just sort of met in the same place. That the red hair sort of came um, from the north, um, the the northeast, and uh, the, those with darker skin came from the south. They came up through Rene um, and arrived in Bethine, and together they created Bethine. It's not based on one culture or the other they they were unified as as one front to create the Bithynian culture as it was, which also includes the Bithynian marriage laws and all of that jazz. Um, 
so that is their culture. So it wasn't that the the Hossinor family are some kind of immigrant family within Bethine, um, who then would have had a different culture to the Bethinians. No, they are Bethinians. Their ancestors have been there for literal centuries, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at some case studies based on our discussion. Okay, I'm going to mention the recent Anne Boleyn adaptation, um, which, honestly, it's completely flopped. Um, it did not do well ratings-wise at all. I don't think this is anything to do with the actress who was playing Anne Boleyn. I'm afraid I can't remember her name, mm. but they chose a black actress to play Anne Boleyn. Um, Anne Boleyn, who was well-known for being white. Um, I think... Yes. <laughs> As, as most of the people associated with the British monarchy were certainly at that time um, mm. this is this is a bit of a question really if you are doing a historical piece can you blind cast it and I'm not sure that they were doing it. yeah I suppose you, you could say they were blind casting it this is a person this is a black woman playing a white a, a famous white queen um, so I'm really trying not to shit on something that I haven't seen. Mm. And but and I wouldn't say, yeah, I deliberately didn't watch it because it had a black actress either. I, honestly, I noticed it, thought, hmm, that's an odd casting choice. Not sure about that, but I guess wait till I've seen it. And then I forgot about it. So I didn't watch it, but I didn't deliberately avoid it either. I think on the one side, I'm like, fantastic for that actress. You know, um, great that she got this job. It might very well have been a role that she was very keen about. Um, I think on a very personal level, there are things that I'm willing to sort of say, yeah, fine, when it comes to things like stage productions. Yeah. Like on stage, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of, yeah, go for it, go for it. I don't really care. Um, when it's on screen, I become dubious. I feel like maybe this wasn't... This wasn't actually blind casting. This was a very purposeful de decision where they were just trying to get brownie points um, and didn't actually think about the nuance or depth of it. I also think it really does matter in the context of what you're right, uh, you know, what you're kind of trying to portray. And the fact of the matter is, is that there was nothing which was added to the story by this actress being black by this character being portrayed by someone who was black, which wasn't just meant to be self-congratulations, you know, congratulations. Particularly because it's, uh, as far as I was aware, it's not like any of the rest of the cast were black. I haven't seen it either, though. No. I haven't seen it either. Now, what would have been kind of interesting for me is if, <laughs> if the entire cast was black, that would have been a, a strange thought experiment. But that would have been like Hamilton, which kind of makes more sense in a way doesn't it yeah it, it absolutely does I, I mean also with hamilton is that they were sort of trying to emphasize the fact that the that they were all immigrants um yeah. <laughs> every they were all immigrants um so and and so that would have kind of been a little bit more interesting if the entire cast had been black we had a black henry the eighth and stuff like that 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 would have been a different kind of that would have been an experiment as it were but, whereas this felt very ham-fisted yeah i have to say the reason that they chose to do it is what made me pause because it 
it, it sort of really stinks of virtue signaling and again nothing against the actress she took a job she took a job that interested her that she felt a connection with that's fine um mm. but again you have to posit the question okay martin luther king jr played by a white guy because if that makes you really cringe and it should then looking at the other direction it's kind of like well this is offensive again to poc and poc actors but in a completely different way because this this is kind of like you need this amount of help we need to give you one of ours and i don't know anyway it, it all kind of didn't work in my opinion <laughs> The thing that gets me is why are they retelling this story? Yeah, I'm not of sure. All the things they could have done, it's like it, I love that they're like, okay, well, we need to, we need to make Anne Boleyn black in order to sort of have a regency. Like, no, black people did exist back well, then. Well, that's my point. That's, that's they the haven't thing. just been invented recently. That's the thing that really bugs me. We know we have plenty of historical evidence that they were black and. Um, Hispanic and and various other races at court, at court during the Tudor era. I mean, they were called. The, you, you were kind of given the the overall name of Blackamoors, which is where you get the whole Moors thing from. But they were there. Yeah. They were holding positions of power. They were influencing policy. They were serving um, queens and kings. They were holding lands in their own right. Why? Would you not write something, if you want to show a black Tudor court, why would you not write something mm -hmm. from their perspective and then have yeah. Henry VIII or Anne Boleyn, etc., as bit characters in the side and their politics sort of influencing these people's lives? Yeah. Why would you not that, do that? That that would be great. Ex exactly. That, I, that, that, to me, that sounds fantastic. It's so much more interesting. It also would be putting a spotlight onto parts of history which are so thoroughly ignored. Um, you know, and, and you've really got to consider actually how much television influences this to the point that, you know, like people going up in arms is like, oh, they show a, a Sikh sh soldier in, in sort of World War sort of one or two kind of video um, sort of film that's set then and everyone going, oh, this is, you know, this is... Uh, when a significant percentage of them were actually Sikh. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, no, but that, that is historically accurate. But we are so used to <laughs> London, Victor Victorian London being depicted as only white. <laughs> You're like, no, hold on a second. It's like, yeah. But, I mean, at the no. moment, 22% of the current UK population is black or identifies as yeah. black. Um, and yeah. something like 18% identifies as Asian. I, I can't tell you the specific breakdown of that, I'm afraid, but I, you know, I'm willing to go and look at the statistics. But the point is, it's yeah. a significant proportion, and it has been for a long time. London, and I'm, I'm London, willing to bet that yeah, yeah the, the the cities, it's London, Bristol, Birmingham, Edinburgh. The big cities are where you tend to get the, you know, Basingstoke even, where you tend to get mm -hmm. the sort sort of more cosmopolitan um, diaspora, if you like. So yeah. it, it, you know, it's certainly not unheard of it hasn't been for centuries so i yeah. don't know, I, I get so frustrated because as a historical fiction writer i'm just kind of like i'm not making this shit up genuinely not making this shit up yeah so again like i can totally understand trying to do something for you know to, to reframe things you know as part of an experiment but if you're gonna do that go the full way go the full hamilton 
yeah you know go go like i i would have actually been kind of interested they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this the the whole the whole lot i also saw people kind of get annoyed with you know there's there's the recent i haven't seen it yet but i really want to see it that there's a Gwen movie oh the green knight yeah uh, with is it David Patel? Is that what I his think name so? Is? And there's also Great Expectations, which, I mean, I'm fine with that being blind cast with an Indian yeah. actor because we have had so many adaptations of Great Expectation, and you're starting with a fictional piece, not a historical event. Yeah, absolutely, and it's also again not really beyond the absolute realms of possibility no. either. But considering the period that it's set in, the fact that, you know the fact that. It, it was you know cosmopolitan um and unlike how a lot of things like to be you know a lot of movies like to frame it not everyone of color was you know a laborer or a, a slave during that period no, there, there are other stories to tell with with these characters um anyway let's talk about shadow and bone <laughs> yeah okay so this is the example that i was talking about recently which is you have the main character alina um in the original books she is white she's proper white girl um in the <laughs> she is a super plain in, white girl she, she's super plain white girl she's just super plain that's her superpower until she finds out she's a sun summoner um and in the in the series they try to kind of make it they try to diversify a little bit and i'm all for diversifying things a little bit the problem was that even though they were rewriting so much of the narrative already they didn't rewrite nearly enough for that they they didn't rewrite nearly enough for that because actually to to introduce that properly would have would have required a lot more effort than than they put into it and a lot more thought. Now nothing against the actress, I think she did a great job. Um, I, honestly, I like the actress. I just don't really like the character of Alina that much because she is no. she's such a, a dish sop. She's such you know she's <laughs> she's dishwater. And that's okay. That yeah. was the time that Lee Bardugo was writing in. It was her learning series, whatever. And it just, yeah. you know, I just don't find when once you've read Six of Crows, it's just not as interesting. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just yeah. not. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> so yeah. So what they did was that they they made her half they made her half shoe, which is sort of Chinese Mongolian, um, equivalent in this world. And the way that the only impact this has on her character is that people just throw racist slurs at her. Yeah. Now, again, um, this has been raised as an issue, which is that you don't see racist slurs being thrown at anyone else. You don't see, um, you know, uh, and some of the racist slurs are a bit of a push as well. You don't actually see the kind of the, the... the overall, you know, result of systemic racism is it, within is it that world. Zoraya, Zoraya is half Zuli in that version in in Shadow and Bone. She's one of the Grisha, so she's not she's not white, but she's actually being quite racist to Alina as well. Yeah, and she is, and and they, and then the actual trainer they have is is just full shoe. Yeah, and he gets what as well. And he, as I recall, okay, admittedly, it's been a while since I read those books, but I think he had far more effect training Alina in the books than he gets on screen. 
and they barely have a three-second conversation on screen. In fact, do they actually speak? I can't. I don't think they do. They they, they speak briefly as one training scene with him, and that's it. Whereas actually, he ha- he does. There is a whole thing with him and her. Yeah, the whole way through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the ultimately there wasn't a lot of thought put into the racism. It, it was all just used to say, look at what a traumatic life she's had. Yeah. Without the kind of the wider implications of this of this actually making sense within the world. Yeah. So here are my 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 issues with this because you know if you read Six of Crows, you know that Lee Bardugo writes fantastically diverse characters when she, when she's got going. Mm. Um, so it's not like I think she had, you know, writing spurs to prove in that respect. And it's noticeable that you can have all the other races, which again, you know, including the Fjordans who are enemies, don't really experience the same sort of, oh, you're the enemy, we hate you kind of thing. Um, yeah. So my real problems here are that it's it sticks out like a sore thr- thumb and it was very noticeable mm. that three episodes in, it just gets dropped. So yeah. that that's shoddy screenwriting. If you're going to change a character that much, you need to be able to do the deep dive into it. And they didn't want to do that. What they wanted to do was just say, hey, we haven't put a white actress in the lead role. Which, at at which point, that's kind of like, yeah, we think you'll be satisfied with this. The other problem is, if you're only going to... If you're going to introduce racism of a specific kind into a fantasy world, then you need to give it some sort of historical context and again, they don't really. It's just kind of like, oh, we've been at war, we hate you kind of thing. Okay, well, how did yeah. her parents come to meet? How did, I mean, I know she was brought up an orphan. I also think it distracts from the fact that that story was very much about poverty and wealth mm. and power and learning what to do once you've got something you never thought you would ever have. So that was an yeah. interesting thread that got abandoned under this, we're going to show this biracial character, aren't we good kind of narrative. And yeah, and, in, and ultimately, the, the the real problem is that you're framing a biracial character as a victim. You don't always have to frame someone as a victim. You must show a balance. There should be the positive sides of it as well. So yes, I found it incredibly frustrating to the point where I thought up until the third episode I was going to quit watching it. But I stayed because the Six of Crows characters were fantastic. <laughs> I stayed with the Six of Crows characters. Yeah. Um, I think... With with that, I mean, I would have even just been a little bit more content for her to at least have more of a conversation about her identity at one point. You know, to like, at one point, you know, you know at one point she talks about maybe escaping to Ketterdam. It would have been kind of interesting. It's like, but what about Shu? It would have been interesting if she turned around and said... Um, I I know nothing about the shoe. I have no pull towards the shoe. Um, you know, even if there had been internal sort of resentment regarding the shoe, that would have actually still been a valid storyline for me. Yeah, they don't even but really there's... look at the fact that she identifies herself as Ravkin, even though she looks quite shoe. So, yeah, uh, which, you know, is a, a legitimate um, biracial issue, but they don't really even go yeah. into that either. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, honestly, I would have actually just been quite happy if this had been blind casting in terms of it was just she's there, she's just her. We like her as the actress for it. Okay, we, great. We like her, her, her as the actress for it. Um, that would have actually been totally fine with me because also I think that even whenever there's been war, biracial children between sort of cultures 
has always been a thing, particularly with countries which are next to each other. Yeah, absolutely. And the sad thing is that in some cases, neither side ends up wanting them, which is how they end up in orphanages. So again, you could have looked at that disenfranchised, neither culture wants me, poverty starting point. So, you know, there are so many stories they could have told if they were willing to do more than just put a bit of window dressing on the original story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't want this to sound like I hate the series because it's an entertaining fantasy series, but I was so frustrated. That being said, we are only at season one. um, And, you know, they are, they're going out into the wider world. And as we know, at least as the Six of Crows story continues, the Shu do get a little bit more involved. So there is the possibility that that could be explored further. And there is the possibility that the writers will hear the you know, the the concerns that people have had and readdress that. So I'm hoping that that will be the case. Yeah. Um, and to be um, fair, it's not just me and Madeline, um, a white person and a very, very, very glow, de- glow-in-the-dark white person, um, <laughs> saying this. This is, this is something that people um, of, of Asian heritage have been saying themselves. This is something that has been picked up by other POC as well. So it's not... Yeah. Uh, anyway... Uh, the only other thing yeah. I will say about this is it suffered from a similar thing to the recent uh, DC film Birds of Prey. And the problem with that is D- it, it's, it's a marketing thing whereby you put your <laughs> you put your diverse character front and centre in all your marketing and say, look at this, aren't we good? And you're marketing it. And the problem is you're not marketing it to the audience you think you're marketing it to. You're marketing it, or you should be marketing it, to the, the people who like fantasy shows. So in Six of Crows sense, most people would have been like, oh, great, another fantasy show. We love fantasy shows. You didn't need to mm-hmm. do the diversity thing because the people who are most vocal about that aren't going to support the show because they're not interested in watching those things. An awful lot of them aren't anyway. Um, and it's the same with Birds of Prey, where they were kind of like, yeah, finally, a feminist um, anti-hero type film. And it didn't do very well at the cinema because they should have been marketing it to mostly blokes who like to go and watch these films, who didn't give a shit that all the main characters are female. They just wanted to see another superhero type film. Whereas mm. the people who complained about it that you marketed it to aren't going to support it. And this is the other thing, people, is if you want to see this in films and TV, you then need to show up with your money. So if you want more Asian and black stories and um, gay stories and stuff, you need to show up with your money and support those creators. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's also a big part of actually uh, buy indie. Yeah buy indie buy from actual small-time creators because breaking into the scene is very very difficult yeah there are hundreds of of lgbtq um poc disabled writers out there who've got books that they want you know people producing indie films you need to look as well but there is you know you are actually being catered for you just need to be willing to look and support the people you find and you know say hey this was great tell your friend about it if they'll like it too yeah seriously be vocal about it um rather than uh, and it's fine to dislike something which is in the mainstream but if you focused almost as much energy on 
promoting the stuff which you really did enjoy as you did on getting angry about the things that you didn't and i'm not talking about valid complaints no me neither um i'm not talking about that at all and i'm not saying it's one or the other but i'm saying that a big trend i see is we've got to bash this in order to promote this and i'm like but the problem is that then you create derision yeah you know, but between people, rather than saying, "Hey, if you like this, you'll love this," put it into the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely, and just really enthusiastically support the things you like and that you want to see more of. You don't need to be doing the whole narrative of, "Oh, but this is terrible. It's another white male protagonist." You know what? There are still lots of white men out there who would like to see themselves represented as well. The fact that they have for decades is neither here nor there. They still want new stuff and there's there's no reason they shouldn't get new content too. So let's really amplify the people that you want to see as well. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm fine with with white male protagonists as long as the story's good. Yeah, once again, story is king. Um, Okay, quick. Much Ado About Nothing. I'm talking about the 1990s Kenneth Branagh version, which Uh... I love. Um, it was it was something I watched. It was one of the rare films we watched as an entire family, and everybody loved it. And it has Denzel Washington in it. I mean, it has an all star cast. Um, Shakespeare, obviously, and in my opinion, Shakespeare is uniquely suited to be blind cast because you are looking at a stage production of something or a film of a stage production of something. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and also, the Shakespeare's productions, almost all of them, except for the historical ones, exist outside of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can make an argument of the historical ones, because the historical ones are not terribly accurate historically. Yeah, they... Yeah, like, the historical ones, it's like, it's meant to be set here. But, like, for instance, like, Twelfth Night and stuff like that, there's... most Some of these places are completely imagined up. They are set completely out of time. You can set them however you want, with whatever you want i mean shakespeare was just wacky like that yeah absolutely anyway um in that film denzel washington had one of the smaller parts as the prince and he was brilliant of course he was he's denzel washington of course he was brilliant <laughs> everyone in that film was really really good his half brother the the bastard whose name i can't remember as in it was a bastard character not that i thought keanu yeah. reeves was a bastard um, was obviously uh, wasn't he John the Bastard? John the Bastard, that's it. Thank you. Yes. Why did I not remember that? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of my favourite plays. Anyway, John the Bastard, his uh, half brother, who plays the villain, um, was played by Keanu Reeves. And okay, the English accent was still rubbish, but Keanu Reeves is always good as well. <laughs> nobody, nobody raised an eyebrow. Nobody was like, "Why do you have a black prince with a white brother?" Well, in fairness, Keanu Reeves is South Sea Islander, isn't he? So. Well, that, that, that's the thing, is actually, he's also, isn't he half Korean? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, is he's not, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, he's white, and I'm like, he's, he's, he's not. not, actually. <laughs> that's one thing he's not. Yeah. He's... So, um, but but no, that's, that's what I mean, it works in Shakespeare. So if we want to blind cast something, yeah, I'm, I'm all for a black King Lear, I'm all for um, a, a Chinese um, Viola, you know what? Because I, I, it's something that any, not that anyone could do, but anyone with the sort of acting expertise to bring the gravitas and humour to Shakespeare can do, in my opinion. Yeah, it makes me think of um of <laughs> of the uh, Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella from the nineteen ninety seven, which I don't think I saw that. <laughs> it's it's great if you see it because. 
Okay, so I'm pretty sure it's Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is is the queen. Okay. Right? Her husband is a white guy, played by uh, Victor Garber. So you've got a black woman married to a white man, and their son is a is a, a Filipino actor. Okay. Paolo um, Mantapan. Like, we're not even going to pretend that genetics work. So, in this so this was world. basically like watching a secondary school play where they just went with the best actors they had in the class. It was a complete blind casting. Oh. Um, and it's actually a really, it's a great mixed race cast in that Cinderella herself is also, um, she's, she's black. Um, and yeah, the, actually the, the fairy godmother is also, um, is black. Um, but yeah, the thing that always makes me laugh is that you just see mother and father and prince all together and I'm like, everyone here is of a different ethnicity and they just didn't care. <laughs> it's cool. also, but also like, Hook, right? There are a lot of films actually in the sort of the early 90s and stuff like that, um, which were actually very, very diverse. Yeah. Um, and then everything kind of went went very whitewashed again, and everyone was like, "Oh, this has never been a thing," and that's a complete lie. You look at Hook. Have you seen the Lost Boys in Hook? I know, I know. And it's like the nineties were kind of like everyone was relaxing around the whole thing. Everyone was kind of like, "It doesn't matter if you look a bit different; you're still one of us." And it was coming out in films and things. And then there was some sort of blowback that then made everyone go, oh, no, 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 we must be over here. And I think that's when people started saying, no, we need to separate these things out. We need to talk about the black experience, the white experience, the Asian experience. And it's like, yeah. maybe what we should be talking about is the human experience. Yeah. And I completely agree that, all right, yes, we do need to have those stories as well, particularly because they're underrepresented. And it's it's good to hear those stories. It's good to share those stories. But in things like... Again, I love I love Hook. Everyone, every child who watched Hook wanted to suddenly be an Asian, an Asian boy with a th- with with a mohawk. Uh, Rufio coming in, Dante Basco, iconic. <laughs> See, I wanted to be Tinkerbell. Brilliant. I've never, I, you know, I would rather be Tinkerbell. I'd rather be a tiny, very, very strong person who had a really bad temper. That sort of worked for me. But <laughs> Jules, I don't mean to be rude, but. Where's the change? All right, it was typecasting. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move us on to the one that was really pissing me off. And it's just a brief sort of, this is what not to do. Um, this is Cursed. Mm-hmm. Now, I know some people have enjoyed it. And if you enjoyed it, that's fine. In my opinion, it was a load of rubbish because it absolutely did not follow story as king. It started with a concept. What if there was a female King Arthur? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way so many books have done so many books have done it if you just did a little bit of research you'd find out that loads of people have already covered this you're not being that original the bloke who wrote the book um, or who wrote the screenplay you're actually not being as clever as you think you are so mm-hmm. I-, I would not be this mean but he was very smug on twitter about it and i was just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> um but okay fine you managed to get the funding behind you because you have the right connections to get this made and then you had a reasonable cast and then you wrote absolute shit it made no sense whatsoever you're trying to set it in history it's not in history you're mixing different races Mm. together that would not logistically have come into contact for several hundred years but apparently that's fine you have this weird fey race which by the way really i genuinely do feel is pillaged irish welsh and scottish mythology 
and then mixed with some unaccountable Victorian stuff as well. And it was just really, really bad. This is this is where you've gone, I have a concept and I'm going to create something around it without them putting in the tensile strength of an actual story structure. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like that one, by the way, guys, in case you didn't get that. <laughs> but that's not to say that you're wrong if you did enjoy it. If you you managed to switch off the inner editor enough to enjoy that for the popcorn it was, then, then you know, I'm kind of a bit envious. Yeah. I think, I think to be honest, I, I haven't seen it, so I can't judge. Um, but I have a very similar experience to Jules in terms of... Um, Yes, stories should be shared, but also don't mess with Celtic mythology. <laughs> it's like, do your research. I mean, that's not to say you can't use the bits that you want to use, because you know what? I have, Madeline has. Um, yeah. Other people have. But please respect the original source material and try not to then add in extra sexism, extra racism and things that weren't actually there. Yeah, I think I think it is just a matter of of research and we're all at different levels of research i mean when i started the the sons of thestian i didn't know as nearly as much as i do now but then i've had literal years of studying it as part of research papers academically um and also i've had jules (laughs) who will talk can talk and is likely to at length (laughs) okay so Let's move on to my main my main issue with a lot of this. And again, reminder, I really like to see diverse roles. I like to see diverse stories and diverse casting. But my main problem mm-hmm. with this is the whole woke is my unique selling point thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... <sighs> the problem with race swapping a character is that it means money is going towards making a safe bet, known quantity... Property with a race wash, essentially. Um, it's it's tokenism, um, and it's cheap, and it's cheating. You know, it's a cheating way of a multi-billion megacorp making money, signalling how woke it is, without actually ever really putting in the graph to produce an actual story which centres around a minority character. It, it's classic bait and switch, really. Yeah. And I think everybody deserves better than that. I think, mm. I mean, there was, there's a YouTuber called Gothics who I don't agree with everything she says. She is a black woman. Um, she's also neurodivergent, I believe. And mm-hmm. I think, don't quote me, but I think she also might be lesbian. Could be wrong, but okay. I think she is. So, you know, she is coming from a specific um, perspective. But she's yeah. also a conservative. So... She gets shouted down by the left a lot just because she doesn't agree with everything they say. I will say I don't agree with everything she comes out with, but she does at least make intelligent, rational points. Um, I disagree with her on this personally, because I still get my opinion and she gets hers. She was not keen on the black recasting of The Little Mermaid for the Disney live action. She felt it was insulting because it was a money grab. I can actually see her point on that. And I was all for, I don't care, I just want an actress who can sing. You know, as far as I'm concerned, blind cast it. But I do see Mm -hmm. her point. Not only is it a money grab, and let's be honest, Disney probably is being quite cynical there because they're cynical enough to make live-action versions of movies so that they don't lose the rights to them. Mm -hmm. But also, her point was, you know, it's, it's kind of a shallow interpretation. And then on top of that, you are 
that that's money that could have gone to making a new original property which featured and centered around a poc character well i mean the thing is that uh, again it would have actually been kind of interesting if they'd retold this as in like everybody was a person of color they they had actually retold this story in a different setting and had the, had the culture and the country and that play into those characters exactly There's, that would have actually been very interesting there was no reason to set it in denmark they could have set it off the coast of africa for example <laughs> they could have um theoretically again i don't actually have a problem with a black mermaid because mermaids are mythical creatures and also um you know there have been myths of mermaids and stuff like that across the globe including in multiple countries on the african continent so i have no problem at all with there being a black um, or asian mermaid or anything like that also because they're mythical creatures yeah um so yeah i'm i i i squint my eyes at disney in general because i don't think their intentions are good um i think some good will come of it though yeah um i personally am with you i just want someone who can sing um, and at the very least, it means that they're doing something a little bit different. I just wish they'd do more that was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, although, you know, in fairness to Disney, as they keep doing the stranger, more out there stuff with the Marvel Universe and the Star Wars Universe, um, I think they will look at their ratings and go, actually, people really buy this. Because the, mm. that, that's the thing. They're not inherently racist or anti-LGBT or anything like that. They just going. They're just going where the money is. So if you show them you will spend money on something, they will make it for you. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, what I will say though is I don't believe this person, Gothics, deserved to be cancelled, and she suffered tremendous abuse online from, you know, other black people, from white people who were telling her she was anti-black and that she had internalized racism and that her opinion was invalid and that she was basically a white supremacist just because she thought the casting choice was wrong. Wow. It's like, have we reached the the stage where we literally cannot sit in the same room with different opinions over a mythical creature? Yeah. I mean, you can disagree. That's the thing. You can still completely disagree with someone. But that doesn't mean that you destroy them. Not for something like that. You know. Yeah, so she lost her livelihood. She um, was very depressed for six months. Uh, she was cut off from everything. And then she picked herself up, got back going. And again, she's become quite an influencer and has got quite a following again. And her, her livelihood's come back again. But, you know, it really fucked her things up for her. Just because she mm. didn't agree with the narrative that was being touted as the correct one. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah I mean, I have a problem with blind following in any case, but this is just not, this is not good. Yeah, no, agree. Agree. Um, yeah, so anyway, there's something very wrong with a shallow interpretation of someone's race, sexuality, gender or disability being used as a unique selling point. Yeah. If, that, if that's literally all you're doing with that character and you're making that the most important part of them and not giving them an actual character, that's, that's just exploitative. Yeah, or if their entire character is, ah, oh, well, I'm gay or black or something like that. Like, no, people do have dimensions beyond those particular things. Yeah. This is why I don't have a problem with any person from, from one of the more marginalised groups uh, being a bad guy or, yeah. you know, being morally grey. Because you know what? 
they are whole people. We are all whole people. We all have good and bad and um, indifferent sides to us. And it, it's kind of insulting to say, oh, you can't be the bad guy because actually I've got you cast in my head as the victim at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there's the other, there's the flip side of that, which is that if you have an entire white cast and the only black person is is the bad guy, then you're setting a bit of a precedent, particularly if it's constantly always like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was for many years, and I think that's or, or the you know the the played up queer villain kind of thing. And I think that's something we're moving away from now. Mm, yeah, agree. Um, yeah, so just to wrap that bit up, um, it's it's the idea that you see yourself in a film and you realise that's all there is to a character and you are forced to endure imported prejudice without getting the benefits of the, the good side of being that sort of person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. it is insulting when someone takes an aspect of your personality, says that's all there is to you, and then uses it as a cash grab to signal how woke they are. Yeah, no, I completely agree completely agree um yeah we've overrun quite a bit but before we before we finally sign off for you um mm -hmm. i think there are some swaps which probably should not be made so if we're talking in terms of race swapping or or anything else there yeah. are some characters i think that probably should stay as they are yeah yeah i completely agree uh where actually it would it would be wrong to change them regardless i mean a very obvious one is Stephen, um, who is the black butler um, and the son of a slave in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Um, I, I can't think of a single situation where it would be appropriate to race swap, race swap him with a white actor. No, absolutely not. Particularly since his master, I don't want to use the word master, sorry, his employer, employer, God, mm -hmm. um, his employer um, is, is using... Kind, I mean, he genuinely likes Steve and he thinks Stephen's very good at his job and everything else and supports him and, and you know, he's a, he's got him to the highest position in the house. I mean, the butler was second to nobody in, in a house. So head butler was kind mm. of like the prime role in service. Yeah. And he's envied all out through, throughout London um, because he's got this incredibly effective head of household. Yeah. But the problem is he is also kind of using Stephen to virtue signal his own political agenda as well. So people can do yeah. two things at the same time. I like it because it's a nuanced betrayal of what something like that might have been like. Um, yeah, I can't think of a situation where you would improve the story by making it a white actor. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that there was something, a very unique standing point in terms of identity that came with the fact that that he was the son of a black slave. Well, yeah, he's he, referred to by the man with the thistle-down hair as the nameless slave because he doesn't know what his mother called him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's he's been robbed of his cultural heritage and identity, um, but still exists in a world where that is a reminder around him. And he's been robbed of it on so many levels because... Um, he's been completely inundated into white culture at the time, you know, British British white culture at the time, um, to the point that he's he's got a you know a, a Christian as it were a Christian name. Um, he dresses in a certain way. He has no idea about his ancestry. 
you know, realistic understanding of his ancestry. And that is something which is just so incredibly personal to his story and is so much a part of of his character that it, it just wouldn't have the same profound effect if he was played by anybody else. No, definitely not. And then on top of that, he is the one who walks away successful at the end, whereas everyone else gets a bit of a Pyrrhic victory at best. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I wouldn't agree with, with swapping that one. I also don't agree with swapping the patrician in Terry Pratchett's watch books because the patrician is a very, very male character. Um, mm. I think if you were going to do that, we should have had three or four adaptations where it definitely was a male character. Um, changing it to a woman just to signal that you're really switched on for the the watch series, which you know is barely anything to do with the Terry Pratchett's books, um, was really cynical, and I don't like the way they that that it was done. Um, mm. Again, I have not watched The Watch. I have read about The Watch. Um, I'm not going to partake of it, either, you know, because I feel strongly about it. What I will say is that yeah. Terry Pratchett's books were already incredibly diverse. He'd already talked about things like sexual inequality, gender. The whole point with the dwarves are the dwarves don't recognise more than one gender. And some dwarves kind of... <laughs> So so in a dwarf marriage, nobody revealed what parts they had until they got married. So you, you, you fell in love and you married and it was, was that was what you got kind of thing. Surprise for the wedding night. Yeah, and that was perfectly legitimate in dwarf culture. Um, they only yeah. recognised one gender, which they by default called male. And the whole thing with Cheery Littlebottom is the fact that she was a dwarf who kind of had some ideas she'd been to the big city she wanted to wear skirts and lipstick and things she wanted to identify as a she she was considered very strange by the other dwarves who were all happy being referred to as he because as far as they were concerned there was one gender so it was already yeah. very cleverly explored i think that from my experience a lot of you know science fiction and fantasy fans particularly you know people of color um argue that colour washing or woke washing um, ultimately stops new and original um, minority stories and films and TV from being produced. Yeah, I, I think there is definitely an argument to be made there. And if you think about how many creatives there are in those groups, we know this because we're indie authors and we know that they're out there. We're out there um, as well. And you know, it, it's always the same stories being told and telling the same story with just a dash of colour is, is not representation. No, absolutely. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for instance, has so many... It has so many more black, Asian and queer characters who are less mainstream, but who, who do exist. Um, so why can't we make their stories? Yeah. Instead of, you know, let's say, oh, we'll have a female version of another well-established character. I can understand it on one level, which is, this is well-established, people already love it, we can play around with it. But at the same time, there's so much other stuff which is waiting to be explored, waiting in the sort of the wings, um, which has so much potential. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd also add to that that 
making more marginalised stories doesn't mean only making stories about the struggles of that group of people because there are so many more yeah. stories to tell. Don't they deserve to... Don't they? Don't we? Don't all of us deserve to be the heroes and the villains and the, the quirky sidekicks and the love interests rather than just the yeah. victims? Exactly. Hamish Steele, you know, uh, talked about this a few years ago. Um he had this talk and it was very impactful for me um you know talking about the fact that you know sometimes the sort of gay people just want rom-coms too yeah it doesn't always need to be woe is me everything is terrible our life is really difficult yeah but why can't we have the romantic comedy as well why can't we have the hallmark comedy i would love i look i have a guilty pleasure i do i sometimes at christmas i do watch (laughs) hallmark movies like when I'm when I'm wrapping presents or doing stuff like that, I'll just put it on in the background, and like the whole time I'm watching, it, I'm like, "This is sweet. This is sweet. This is you know, like this is just marshmallows." I really want a gay version of this. Yeah. Um, I just I just love to have just anything <laughs> that has that kind of vibe, which is is a little bit more diverse, which sort of represents me and and people like me and stuff like that i'd really really like it and it doesn't need to be all doom and gloom it can just be sugar canes and you know sweetness yeah definitely so when you know i think basically what we're sort of clawing our way towards here is that taking the little mermaid example if you didn't agree with that casting choice that's actually fine that doesn't make you racist that doesn't make you a bad person Unless, you know, you have Mm. specific bad personal racist reasons for it. It just means that you have a different opinion. You're still part of the the side that wants to see more diversity, etc. Just maybe that it didn't work for that character for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and that's good. We shouldn't all think the same. And if someone tells you that there is a prescribed narrative that you should be subscribing to, then they need serious side-eye. They really do, because anyone who teaches you not to think and not to question is not someone you should follow anywhere. Yeah, agreed. It's also very important to just keep thinking, and it's something that Jules and I both do, in that, you know, there will be a time where one day someone is going to pick something up from an old episode and be like, you said that. And the fact of the matter is, is that over the years, our opinions change. Yeah. You know, we hear from our listeners, we continue to read, we continue to explore. We are, you know, limited by the experiences that we have, regardless of how much research and how much thought we put into it. So we do get things wrong and you will get things wrong and everybody gets things wrong. Um, So listening to what other people have to say say and considering what that is, even if you ultimately don't agree with it, is actually still an important part of the of the thought process yeah absolutely um we need to have space to be wrong about things go away and change our minds and that's the thing someone's opinion is not their opinion forever necessarily in my case it's kind of like this is my opinion and it's been adjusted and there is a you know if my opinion was written down in a book there would be kind of like there'd be footnotes and the footnotes eventually would take up most of the chapter because it's an addendum on everything that I originally thought (laughs) and then an addendum on that so everything's changing and I think that if you are too fixed in what you think and it never changes then you've probably got way more problems to worry about than 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 this this episode on casting for example (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, on that note, we've overrun quite a little bit, so we're going to wrap this up now fairly rapidly. Um, again, we would love to hear from you guys about this. What do you think? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Do you have an another perspective? Do you have some good examples? Um, please let us know. Remember, you can get in touch with us via our Facebook, our Tumblr, or our Twitter, both individually or through the Dissecting Dragons pages. Before we go, it is time for our Dissecting Dragons recommendation of the week, and this week, Jules, you've got one for us. Yes, this is very much a lighter note, which I'm sure we all need by now. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you liked what we do in the shadows, both the series and the, the film, then this is a real treat. I don't know how it got past me. But I, I didn't know it existed until recently. In the film of what we do about the shadows, you have the two cops who have bit parts who come down the stairs and they're influenced by the vampires not to notice the dead body on the floor. <laughs> um, and they talk in that very matter-of-fact sort of cop manner, sort of we're doing our bit for the community, we're doing our job, we're just on the beat kind of thing. Those two cops yeah. have a spin-off show called Wellington Paranormal where they are taken uh, as potentials by the their, their chief into a secret subsect of, of Wellington police and they are sent to investigate the strange paranormal happenings that just seem to be occurring locally. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. It's really, really funny and I'm pretty sure it's on iPlayer so or Sky, so definitely check that out. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Definitely we'll have to look into that. And on that note, guys, we'll say thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, thanks and goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast. You can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from iTunes. For more information, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissectingreaders. Or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughan.com. Please note, no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast.